0: Hello and welcome to September's edition of All Things Business, the podcast, conversation with business people from across the Northamptonshire, Bedfordshire and Milton Keynes region. As the summer starts to give way to shorter days and perhaps cooler temperatures, the economy for some seems to be hotting up. The jobs market hit a 21st century high with over a million places available in August. Elsewhere, an increasing trend for coronavirus cases and concerns in particular about the proportion of younger people taking up the vaccination offer dominated the headlines. For higher-end tech businesses, that short supply of microchips has further deepened, leading to still longer waiting times for new cars and also now computer hardware. And if you fancy learning to drive an HGV, well, now's the time to do it. Demand has never been higher. I'm John Griff, and in this month's edition of the podcast, we talk to three business people whose work is truly geared towards helping their clients take the next step. Annie Thompson from Cornerstone FD explains how relationship management through providing a strategic financial partnership can really help not only develop a business, but possibly save it.
1: Thinking of one of our clients in particular, he had a bookkeeper, the bookkeeper almost put them under during COVID, couldn't get the information out of their accountant, and now he will ring up and if he's had a good day or a bad day or won a new contract or whatever, he'll just ring me up and tell me.
0: Simon Pickering from DBFB says that the company
2: is ramping up its presence in the IT market. When I started in 16 we were 12 people, we're going to be 42 by the end of this September. We've got an aggressive three-year plan to see us grow to 13, 15 million in revenue. Our workforce we see going probably to 60 to 70 people. But we've got to keep the same values, which is understanding what our customers' business does and how we help them improve it.
0: And DFA law partner David Davis says that if you're looking to sell up and realise the asset value of your business, now might not be a bad time to do it.
3: We're seeing opportunistic buyers, and sellers who are reassessing their position in life. And perhaps they've never thought about selling, but have been
0: approached. Real business insight from real business people. All in September's edition of All Things Business, the podcast. Cornerstone FD might just be your one-stop accounting solution, particularly if that solution incorporates the option of supplying a no-nonsense financial director and troubleshooter as part of the package. Annie Thompson set up Cornerstone after a portfolio of positions in companies which in turn built her expertise to the point where she decided to go it alone. Recently relocated to new premises in the Northamptonshire countryside, Annie told me about how she and her team provide the kind of strategic financial partnership which isolates problems and delivers solutions. Quickly.
1: Um, We're very good at getting to the root of the problem, so I can generally talk to someone for about five minutes and they might be stewing over this problem for months and I'm like, well there's your issue um but then on top of that we're able to help them fix it so um it's not a case of me just going in and going right okay you need to do that we will essentially lead from the front a lot of the time um i've got a client at the minute we're doing a complete turnaround on the entire business and uh he'd done a bgp course at cranfield (laughs) if he listens to this he'll be laughing (laughs) Um, but we are doing a complete turnaround on the business and that means me going in. I, I was in there for a month, um a a couple of months ago doing a review and coming up with a plan on everything we're gonna do and then now it's about implementing that plan and again I'll have a couple of months where I'm there full time. Um so again it's it's kind of whatever the business needs, we get that done. Whereas I think a lot of people either um they'll go in and say, Right, you need to do that, if they can even get to the problem generally. Um but then they won't sort of support or handhold through that process. And I think that's really important because people don't know. If they haven't done it before, they don't know what to do.
0: (laughs) What about the businesses themselves that you work with? I I would imagine being a small company as you are, you work with small companies because if you were going to work with the Coca-Colas of this world, they'd have their own financial departments. Candidly, you wouldn't get a look in.
1: No, exactly um so we tend to work with people sort of between the sort of half a million and 10 million turnover mark if they're bigger we you know I can put a finance team in but it does make things a bit more top heavy in terms of my time but generally uh yeah we work with so that it could be that we take the whole finance team um in terms of everything and they have an outsourced accountant sometimes we end up taking the accounts purely because the accountant can't be trusted um so we end up literally doing everything but we've got krw next door accountants um who are brilliant so i think we're going to start trying to work with them a little bit more now and obviously i can walk walk next door and shout at someone if i need to or it might be that we take everything up to sort of the fd level and we do all the transactional bit and they don't necessarily need a finance director type person in-house
0: so when you breeze in, perhaps to put something right, mm-hmm. you're not the financial director. But how much of what you do then determines the future direction of the business? Is, is that something it's that you like work It's like everything. With? Yeah, it
1: is. literally everything. And again, so coming back to the last bit, sometimes they might have an in-house finance team and I go in twice a month or whatever and mm. act as the FD type role. So thinking of one of our clients in particular, he had a bookkeeper. The bookkeeper almost put them under during covid couldn't get the information out of their accountant. He he literally just wanted a bookkeeper to do the transactional stuff. And now he will ring up and if he's had a good day or a bad day or won a new contract or whatever, he'll just ring me up and tell me.
0: So this is relationship. This isn't yeah. transactional. This is relationship management. Absolutely, yeah. Okay.
1: You know, you can't seriously influence the direction of a business without knowing every single cog of it you know a lot of people will say right you want to make more money sell more or put your prices up or you want to cut costs just cut costs or you know you're not making enough margins sell more cut costs but it's not actually as simple as that you take a construction business finding subcontractors that are good is horrendously hard so what you can't do is go, right, okay, pay your subcontractors less more, less or sell more because that's not how the industry works. It has to come from bits of the business that are not going to just kill every single other part of the business. So, yeah, it's incredibly important to understand every part of the business.
0: Talking to me now, you come across as a bit of a tornado, if I'm completely <laughs> honest. I can imagine that Hurricane Annie walks in <laughs> to a client, particularly for a first meeting. That could be intimidating to some businesses. Yep. What wins you over to clients? Why, why is it that they want to do business with you? If, if you are that straightforward, then clearly you are. Why does it work? Because clearly it does.
1: One of my things is that if you ask me a question, you'll get an answer. Okay, You might not like the answer, but you'll get an answer. I think it's the fact that they sort of know that if there's something wrong or if I think you can do something better, I'm going to say it. Mm. If you don't like it... Mm and you don't want to do it, that's fine. We can talk about that. But I think there's a relationship built on honesty and openness and... And trust, you know. Do you
0: tend to find that when you go into businesses, it's because something's broken in that case? Someone sees you as a fixer. Yeah. And then immediately you have that rapport and they're prepared to trust you and, and, and let you run with something that is very, very intimate to them as the business owners.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the majority of it. Because the thing is as well, what we do is not necessarily always financially based I'm, you know, about to potentially do a a, a big restructure on one of our clients with regards to HR, I won't get involved in it, but I will manage the process to make sure that we get the right, a support in to make sure the restructure is successful and also make sure the business owner is happy with what they've got and what they, where they want the business to go. So we have clients that either, um, you know, have got real issues and they need a turnaround. We've got clients that have got small issues and they need a bit of help and support changing it. Or we've got clients, I mean, one of our clients, he had four staff when we started working with them. They're up to 11, I think, and he's now recruiting another three. Uh, And that was, I think, January, February time I started working with them. So they're really, really high growth Mm. businesses and very, very quickly. And again, he'll just ring me up and say, right, what do you think of this? Is this a good idea? I think it's about having that support there as well, just to bounce ideas off some people.
0: The pandemic has changed the economy of the United Kingdom. Perhaps the pandemic has changed the way in which we will do business in the future. There seems to be a lot more outsourcing that goes on. So for British business, how far do you see business going down that plugging in of skills and specialities? To see business developing in the British economy as time goes on, are we going to see
1: more of it? Definitely, I think so. I mean, as I say, we've we've taken a few clients that have had issues with in-house people. We've taken pe- we've taken uh, clients that maybe haven't had issues with in-house people, but they want that just extra level level of support. Um, we've also been speaking to businesses about plugging in full finance teams in sort of fifteen million pound businesses that don't necessarily need the FD role full time, but they need people in-house that also need managing and this is the thing as well is there's been so much restructure going on and also as well with furlough if you've been out of work for 6 months chances are you're probably not going to be needed unless there's a an influx in that business so i think yeah i think businesses are looking to outsource in a way that means that they you know haven't got the staff cost haven't got that kind of uh, responsibility over someone you know it's a plug and play game really
0: depending on who you talk to Rishi Sunak says the economy is going to bounce. Boris Johnson says the economy is going to bounce. Some people have said the economy has bounced. Earlier on, uh, just a short while ago, we were told there are a million jobs up for grabs, which sounds very positive. If you say the economy has bounced back, you could be looking at the FTSE 250 because that seems to have had a fairly good time of it recently. Have we now drawn a line in that? Is the economy on its way back, in your opinion?
1: Right. So first of all, it depends on the industry. Some industries have done very well um and have bounced back incredibly uh i think the end of furlough is gonna cause a bit of an issue um because there will be a lot of redundancies and they're saying there's a million jobs and all this sort of stuff but realistically how much weight can we put to that one i think taxes are going to be horrendous over the next few years you know who's going to pay for the i won't swear (laughs) s show (laughs) that has just been created but, yeah, I mean, I think over time we'll, we'll bounce back. But, it's, you know, it's not going to happen within six months like the government like to make you think. Hurricane
0: Annie stands ready and waiting to help your businesses. <laughs> you could have got an office that was on the corner of the building, so you could have been genuinely the cornerstone. But you're next door to some very good people, very close by. You've got a fantastic place to work from. Yeah. Really good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> That's Annie Thompson. Find out more about her and her team at cornerstonefd.co.uk. If the last 18 months has taught business one lesson, it has to be that of flexibility of working under the heaviest of outside pressures. The pandemic has rewritten the map of how and where business has been and is now being done. And with that need for flexibility has come the need for better communications under hybrid working and the IT to cope with it. Simon Pickering runs DBFB, providing businesses with secure connectivity and communications, but without the jargon. And when we met, he told me that now, perhaps as never before, is the time for businesses to reassess not only their current needs, but their future ones in a rapidly shifting world.
2: Uh, We've seen a a big explosion in the marketplace. I I, I thank my lucky stars that I'm in the industry I'm in. And technology will be at the forefront. My my feeling is that we've accelerated five years. We're five years ahead of where we were going to be. And that's all been driven through the pandemic. And I don't see that stopping for the next probably five years. So I think we've got a real crest of the wave, some huge changes coming in the industry. So a lot of customers weren't willing to move from what I would call an upfront pay-for-your-kit day one versus a subscri- subscription model which is all around cloud and flexible working which leans into that so some of those businesses are now going to be sitting there going reading newspapers i have today saying are we heading for another lockdown for mm. the back end of the year it's mm. possible if we are are we ready for it the answer is a lot are But there's an enormous amount of customers that aren't ready for that again.
0: So your position's right at a point where technology, IT, communications, which have become so important in the last 18 months, are going to stay important because the kind of society we've got now, the kind of way in which we live, has changed and may well be changing for good.
2: I I think it has done. I mean, I I, I hate to admit it, but I've been in industry since 2003. And, and there's some huge changes. And I think when you talked IT, I was, used to say it was someone you pushed under the broom cupboard and left there. The reality is now we li- we have mobile phones, which are as powerful as a laptop, if not more powerful. So you've got to blend all the way through to a laptop, through to a desktop. But on top of that, you've got to roll fiber into it, connectivity. That's massive. But now you've got the 5G evolution coming along and whatever mm. that means mm. now, Sometimes I'm a bit cynical. I remember the 4G revolution, the 3G revolution. It was meant to make us go 100 times quicker, huge difference to how we work. And it will make a big difference in flexible working. Because actually, if data plans are right and the pricing is right, you may find that businesses move to a 5G model versus a fixed connectivity model or a blend of both. If I go
0: outside this room where we're sitting right now, I'll find some empty desks. And that's in common with just about every business in this county right now, and you could spread that across the rest of the UK as well from your point of view hybrid working is going to be something that is with us for a long time that's got an implication in terms of domestic connectivity because that's where a lot of people now are working and the domestic connectivity that they get is the only connectivity that they get is that a market you want to get into or is that too big for you to be able
2: to take on I think the, the the retail what I would call retail and consumer is the marketplace we go to Having said that, I think the one area where business is yet to catch up on, because we were all taken by surprise in Mar- that famous March speak on the 23rd, mm. you're in lockdown, what what business is yet to think about is security of people's homes and the routers they're using. So if you think about what we do now with our laptops, when you're in the office, with your mobile phone's got security, your laptop's got security, your routers are all... Well, at home you haven't. Yes, and we all know the challenge of, of cyber security and cyber fraud and cyber crime. We hear about it every day. So that is an area that that we see as a real opportunity when we're talking to our existing customer base about if they have hybrid workers, what security they put in place. So oh, because it will drive to hybrid working. There's no question about that. What are they doing, and how can we help them, and what does that look like?
0: You know, it's it's interesting. You talk like that and I'm sitting here with a big grin on my face because as you've been talking, I've been thinking this isn't about technology. This is about people to people. Those people may not be in the same building. The relationship that you've got is a person to a person and everybody doing business together. It's very easy to get sort of fogged in conversation about technology. And you talk about clarity. Um, Are we going to be hearing that message more loudly from dbfb because i know businesses has been turning up you were saying that earlier on you say that things are not going to be changing it's certainly in your world for the next five years or so there will be technical innovation but how big is dbfb going to be how much are we going to be hearing about your business well we're
2: definitely going to be shouting loud we we've done that for for four or five years we've been a bit quiet for the last 12 because i think everybody's I don't think many people want to hear from us apart from our existing customers helping them with their challenges. Uh, for us, we, we've we got some aggressive growth plans. So over the last five years, our, our heartland's always been Northampton. We've moved to Milton Keynes, Bucks. But we've also uh, won a number of top FTSE 100 businesses in the last two years, three years. So therefore, we've seen some significant growth in the business. I mean, when I started in 16, we were 12 people. We're going to be 42 by the end of this September. We've grown the revenue lines from two and a half, three million up to 8, 8.5 by September. We've got an aggressive three-year plan to see us grow to 13, 15 million in revenue. Our workforce we see going probably to 60 to 70 people. So that's going to be another significant mm. challenge. But we've got to keep the same values and we've got to keep making sure that we do what we do today, which is understanding what our customers' business does and how we help them improve it.
0: And with that in mind, if you're going to be ahead of the curve for clients and ahead of the curve for the market, you must know what's coming up the pipe as far as technology is concerned. Does that make DBF be a sort of outsourced IT department for businesses that perhaps don't have that expertise? Or would you not want to get into that?
2: No, we do that today. We do that for a number of customers today. Uh, it's, it's an area that we certainly want to expand into. That's certainly part of our three-year plan is to ensure that we increase our managed service offering for IT. So customers that don't want to look at it internally and want to outsource it. And I think there'll be more of that coming. Uh, as as things move to the cloud, it's easier to serve because you don't have to go to site all the time. So if you think about a traditional business with 40, 50, 60 people, they've probably got one or two IT people with a backup business. The question is why they need the one or two people in the business. Because if you can fix most things remotely and let's yeah. say 95%, you kind of get to that stage of saying, why do I need them? Now... Our role in life with with all of our customers is twofold. One, to ensure they go and win more business by technology. But the second one is to look at them and say, how can we help you reduce your cost base or give you productivity? That That's our job in life. So that's the mantra of the business. That's what we've got to go and do. And that's what we've got to continue to do is, is help businesses thrive.
0: <laughs> so does that mean a greater preponderance and a greater dependence on 5G when it finally really does emerge, because it hasn't emerged yet. The, the major players haven't, haven't really sort of stuck it out to the domestic market, and I guess you need the domestic market to take it up if you're going to make the most of the potential that's out there. Is that the big development that's coming through? Is its is it 5G and therefore connectivity and security that hangs off it?
2: Yeah, 100%. I think if you look at, and we've seen it, so if you, you talked about consumer, you're absolutely right. When it's adopted by consumer, miraculously it moves into business. Normally into big business first, then filters down into smes but we've all seen the new ee advert or the bt advert which is you'll never lose broadband again as long as you don't live in a big house with thick walls that can take an ee signal but bar that issue what you're starting to see there is is new technologies where you are putting a connection in mm. but you are used using a router that will take a 5g sim so it will fail over but they're inbuilt in one so will that make a difference uh, yes 100 it will now, the utopia, and there are people coming to the marketplace today, it, the UK is not ready for it yet because 5G is not ready yet, or not the uptake isn't good enough, where they want to run connectivity in offices through 5G. That's going to be interesting to see how that works versus traditional... I've got to come and dig into your office. So is now the
0: time, therefore, for IT managers and financial directors to start saying, what have we got? Just how tired is it? How
2: do we leapfrog
0: our competitors within the UK market? Answer, come and have
2: a chat. Correct. Uh, And some of that will be... We'll have an honest conversation with people. For me, that's the most important thing. We're up front with people. And I've had this conversation with a couple of large customers where I've actually said, can you sweat your assets for another 8 to 12 months? The opportunity was there to do something, but it wasn't right for the customer. I think if we wait another 12 months, 5G will be much further down the line, coverage will be much further down the line, won't be 100%, never will be. But the reality is, we'll be at a stage where potentially we could put 5G into 50% of their estate, connectivity into the other 50%, and there is a huge productivity saving for them. So that, for me, is really important. Good to talk to you, Simon. Thank you. Pleasure.
0: That's Simon Pickering of DBFB, shortly to switch on a new website as part of a major profile building campaign to drive economic growth across the region. And still with that clarity around communications, which is central to its being. Does your business need to be seen, be heard or be found? Now, more than ever, companies need to make it clear that they are open for business. All Things Management is a team of creatives who connect their clients to their audience. To find out more, visit allthingsmanagement.co.uk. Be seen, be heard, be found. My last guest on this month's edition of All Things Business, the podcast, looks after clients looking at business with perhaps a different kind of viewpoint. David Davies joined DFA Law in May of this year as a partner, having previously worked with the firm in a consultancy role. Prior to that, he spent a lot of time in the Balkans, working in multi-million euro ticket corporate law. It gave him quite a profile there. Now resettled and aspiring to run and develop his own team to deliver a lasting corporate legacy here, David helps people who might have reached the point where disposing of their companies and moving on to the next chapter of their lives has become the order of the day. Listed by DFA Law on its website as being a keen world traveller, swimmer and singer no less... I asked him if he'd been able to indulge any of his pursuits since May or if instead it had all been work, work, work.
3: Well, unfortunately, it's rather been work, work, work um, since I arrived together with the COVID situation. However, I'm looking forward to getting back involved in the swimming in particular. Um, and I've been doing long-distance swimming for some years now.
0: Um, what, channel swimming? Sort of no, I wish
3: I could do the channel. That really? Is, that, is the, that is a That's lifetime the aim. Um, at the moment, <laughs> um, I, I have a partner who lives in um, Hungary. Um, and they do a swim across the lake there every year, which is not so far, 5.2 kilometres. But I've done that six or seven times. Um, and she's done it the last two years and I haven't been able to. And it's very, that's very frustrated me. Um, but no, I'm looking forward very much to getting involved in the Northampton scene.
0: I can hear right now members of DFA Law getting reaching for the goose grease to get you ready to go across <laughs> towards Calais from uh, fr- fr- from Dover. So we'll we'll cover that when the time comes. Are you seeing an increase in business? Do you see that as a measure of positive growth within the economy? Or, given what we're going to be talking about, which is the disposal of business and people moving to retirement, do you see that as a nervousness within the market?
3: I think it's a little bit of both. So a lot of disposals that we're seeing are people who've owned businesses for a long time a lot of them heading perhaps towards retirement. Um, some of them are very much of retirement age. Some are a little bit younger than that, but have reassessed their priorities in their lives and thought, well, perhaps this is a time to move on, maybe do something else, maybe retire, maybe spend more time with the family and the children um, and grandchildren in many cases. Um, but also, I think people are, and there are a lot of acquirers out there who are seeing an opportunity here as well. And mm. um, so I think we're seeing opportunistic buyers and sellers who are reassessing their position in life and perhaps they've never thought about selling but have been approached.
0: I come to you to say, right, I've made the decision to to sell up and move on, Take me through the process because there's a corporate side, there's a personal side and both of those sides clearly have implications to DFA Law because you'd be looking after me as an individual and as a business.
3: The first thing I would say to anyone who is looking, uh, thinking about selling their business um, or getting out of that whatever business they're in is talk to us earlier rather than later. One of the things that I focus on particularly is that I will always be willing to have a, a long phone chat with somebody who is looking at this situation, because so, they, so
0: even with a, the hint of an idea of going, that's the time to start.
3: Absolutely, okay. you should be talking. You should be talking to a law firm, um, and you should be talking to your accountants. There are also a number of firms who will help you sell your business, so brokers effectively in the market. And there's a number of them in the local area who are uh, extremely good. Um, and so it's also worth talking to all of those. You need to put your feelers out and get initial feelings from all those people. Very often, a client will come to you and they think they know what they want to do. But what you need to understand is what they want to achieve. And sometimes, what they want to achieve is not best achieved by doing what they think they want to do. So a a classic example would be if a a client comes to you and says, look, I want to wind up my business because I want to retire. I've had enough of it, you know. And I'm doing okay. Everything's fine. I've got my pension pot. And maybe they haven't thought of the concept that maybe they could sell that business. Yeah. Even if they don't think there's much value in it, somebody else might want to buy it for its customer list, for its for its name, for its history, for its background. Um, and I think even for its premises in some cases, mm. um, that uh, you may have a long lease on the premise, or for instance, which might be of particular value to somebody else. Maybe there's aspects of it you could sell. Other than that, um, it's the taking them through the personal process. And again, this is why I've moved into this world now, is that it matters to people. These are people's lives and it's going to be their future. And setting them up correctly for that future is part of what I'm part of the buzz that I get from the job.
0: How collaborative does this get inside the interview room? Would you bring people in? Do you introduce people so that effectively it is a team of advisors who are simultaneously working with whoever it is that's decided they're going to go? Yes,
3: in a perfect world. A client would come to me first in my perfect world, and I would introduce them to the various other advisors. But very often, unfortunately, we're the last of the table. But what is then really important is that all those parties work very closely together.
0: So would you advise on price, or would you leave that to the accountant or the, the broker?
3: The the bro- If there's a broker involved, they will generally um, discuss the price. And very often, by the time it gets to us, price is agreed. By its very nature, a deal will have two elements it has the price and it has the terms. Mm. Um, and if one of those is not fixed, then the two can always vary against each other. And so if you are you feel that you've had a, one an advantage on price, then the other side will always then want to seek to disadvantage you on terms. So very often the first thing that gets set out is the price and it will come to you and that very rarely changes in any significant way.
0: Do you ever advise people on what you consider to be either a bad deal? Or alternatively, would you say, do you know what? You've got a lot going for you. Is this the right decision? Would you advise people to stick at it?
3: That's a that's an interesting and difficult question because lawyers by their nature are, tend not to do that very much. But I think that we should be doing it more um, and we should be discussing and not necessarily saying you should do this deal or you shouldn't. I think it's a good deal or it's a bad deal. But discussing it through with them and helping them to understand whether they've based their decision on the, on the right factors. If there's a broker involved, they will often have been through that process as well, but there is never any harm in having that process with somebody else. This is usually the biggest single transaction that our clients will do in their lives. In the same way as when you buy your house, you have proper advice on that because you want to make sure that you're making the right choices and that you're protected in the correct ways. Well, that's the same thing when you're buying or selling a business here. We've had a conversation recently with a client where I know that the buyer can make the business that they're buying worth considerably more than it is now. Well, we've had the discussion that, okay, do you want to go out and borrow the money? Do you want to? apply for all the licenses, consents, planning, whatever else that you could get to turn this into a much bigger and more valuable thing, are you going to be upset if you look at this in five years' time and you realise that business is worth ten times what you sold it for? And you need to be comfortable that, no, I don't want to do all those things. I'm happy for somebody else to do those things and take out the value that it is as of today.
0: We've talked about this in terms of an individual who says they want to, to sell up and go. Lots of families own businesses collectively. Uh, Lots of businesses are partnerships. So would you advise each of the individuals represented in the ownership of that business? Or are you limited to dealing with only one person? Because if if you are, I can imagine that raises all kinds of questions.
3: That's a very good question. Um, We can act for all the sellers. A a classic example is a husband and wife. Um, Very often businesses are run but maybe by one of the two, but they will be owned by both, for tax reasons. Um, you can then structure your payments out of dividends, make full advantage of um, tax allowances, etc. But so very often we will act for all the all the sellers as a collective, but we have to. We can only do that provided that their interests remain aligned. If at any stage their interests cease to be aligned, or they start disagreeing, or they can't get you know, they can't reach collective decisions on things, then one or other of those would have to seek alternative advice, and we'd have to essentially continue acting for one of them. But in practice, that rarely happens, um, and touch wood that's not happened to me um, as of yet. Husbands and wives are a classic example. You need to be, if you're acting for both of them, you need to be very comfortable that the one who's driving the business and really runs the business in practice is likely to be the person who you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. You need to be comfortable that the other party in that is also comfortable with this process. Do they really want to sell? Um, Are they being pushed into that decision by the other party? There are sensitivities with that, and I will always, for instance, insist on talking to the more silent partner of that, taking instruction from them, making sure that they're happy for me to take general instructions from the other
0: party. People are looking at different kinds of options and perhaps not being slaves to their own business forevermore, in which case they'll need people like DFA Law to help them out. David, really good to talk to you, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's David Davies of DFA Law, my last guest in this month's edition of All Things Business, the podcast. And that's where I take my cue to depart once more. Many thanks to my guests, Annie Thompson from Cornerstone FD, Simon Pickering from DBFB, and aspiring cross-channel swimmer and partner at DFA Law, David Davies. I'll be back next month with more fascinating guests with expertise in their fields and their own views of the economic future. But until then, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And don't forget that there are other editions of the podcast that you can listen to via the All Things Business website. For now, and from everyone on All Things Business, the podcast, thanks for listening.